0: Does make a few comments about the natives of China. Oh. Hubbard writes thing such things as a Chinaman cannot live up to a thing, he always drags it down. That is a direct quote, everybody. And they smell of all the baths they didn't take. Oh my God. <laughs> the trouble with China is there are too many chinks. What
1: here. the fuck?
0: <laughs> so uh <laughs> maybe not as spiritual as some say, but oh my who's to say? God. <laughs>
2: Welcome to We Talk About Dead People, a podcast where we pick two dead people and talk about their lives. I'm your host, Aaron C., and I'm here with my good friend and co-host, James D. Say hi, James.
0: Friends, listeners, countrymen, I'm here to make a public apology. I, James Davis, patriot, podcaster, and commander of the Seven Winds, do solemnly announce my apology. I apologize for making this episode so fucking long. I'm sorry. I'm so, so sorry. It's just, I'm a history nerd. I enjoy history. I love history. I fondle history tenderly. Someday, I want to betroth history to make that beautiful antiquity goddess my wife. But anyway, I made this episode too long. I'm sorry. Now, if you could all just sign here. I'll be the first. Everyone, follow my example. Let's get James out of community
2: service. Together! I don't want to do roadside cleanup. That's for CHUMPS! Speaking of chumps, we hope to keep our listeners entertained and interested while we break down these characters from the odd and exciting family that is humanity. The way this works is that James and I will do our amateurish best to give a basic account of the major events in these people's lives and how they responded to them. We also hope to give a fairly accurate depiction of their individual character, which is harder to do, but we're gonna try anyway. So James, who do we have this week? Well, you have John
0: DuPont and I have L. Ron Hubbard. And which of these are you more interested in learning about James? Well, obviously John DuPont because I didn't research him.
2: Huh, that makes sense. I'm interested in both because I've read extensively about both huh. and find them both to be absolutely both fascinating. Oh, so
0: you already know everything about <laughs> Hubbard, huh? Yes. Might as well not just do the show, okay? Oh, wait. I'm out! You know what? You you know everything about him. I'm gone. Just fine. G- wh- fuck! James! James! What is it? i go sit in a cigar lounge and sulk. Enjoy podcasting, loser. Look,
2: if you stay and do the show, I'll give you a FREE PERSONALITY EXAM! Will you? Cross my heart and hope
0: to die! All right, that Sounds... interesting. That was super easy. No, actually, I'm completely addicted to nicotine and feel like my head is going to explode if I don't get some.
2: Oh, then let's make sure you don't! Huh? To the history lab! Two men, one a well-known churchman, and the other a sports enthusiast, both surrounded in controversy, both obscenely rich. One the prophet and mouth of Zidu himself, the other a wrestling coach facing down the terrifying Iron Curtain. In the battle for complete devotion, only one can win the hearts and souls of the people. Whoa, whoa. Whoa. Wow. <laughs> it's um, super clean down here. What happened? Did you clean this? No. I didn't clean
0: this. Who cleaned this place? This place is, wow, spectacular. What? My
2: manga's all organized? What the?
0: There aren't a pile of condoms under that desk anymore? Jeez. What?
2: They got rid of my condom pile? Uh,
0: Fuck. Uh, well, it definitely wasn't one of us who cleaned this place.
2: No. Do you think it was Pickles? No. Pickles is a slob. Yeah. It can't be him. Who? well wonder if they got rid of his pile of condoms. Uh. <laughs> <laughs> computer, pull up John DuPont and L. Ron Hubbard.
1: Negative, my lord.
2: What? Negative. I you don't... can't... What? What? The machines, they know. They're thinking for themselves. This is shitty. Uh, I guess I'll just pull them
0: up myself. Ah, so much work to do. Okay.
2: John DuPont's physical description. Also, fuck you, computer. Fuck you. Okay, so. John DuPont Uh, looks like... A sinister little goblin with a shitty case of scoliosis. And I can make that joke because I have scoliosis, so... All of you sending in hate mail, don't hate. John and I have a lot in common. We look vaguely goblin-like and both suffer from scoliosis. Speaking of scoliosis, James has volunteered to give me a thorough oil massage during this broadcast. So, if you hear me Uh. crying out in ecstasy,
0: please don't worry,
2: I'm fine.
0: not true. Better
2: than fine. (laughs) You know, my sister pays for people to massage her dogs. And this lady is apparently so good that her Sheltie had multiple orgasms in one session. What the fuck? All I'm saying
0: is I have high expectations, James.
2: I have to get a job.
0: Until then, you work for me. Night shift. Jesus. People are going to actually think you're gay. I'm gonna start setting you up with my gay friends. Come on now, James. How can they think I'm gay when I clearly have a girlfriend? Once eh? again, you massive tool, she's not real? Uh, Fuck on. it. I'm going to the cigar lounge. No! No, 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 no. Come on, come on. Just tell us what L. Ron Hubbard looked
2: like, okay? Just.
0: Tell us. Fine. We actually have real girlfriends.
2: Jesus.
0: Real. Oh, not wrong. Ugh, will you just end the fucking joke so I can talk? Fine, fine we actually have a description of Hubbard's appearance given by his friend John Parsons. Oh. Parsons said, Hubbard is a gentleman. He has red hair, green eyes, is honest and intelligent, and we have become great friends. Oh. He moved in with me about two months ago, and <laughs> although Betty and I are still friendly, she has transformed her sexual affection to Ron. Wait,
2: transformed?
0: Although Trans- he transferred, has, I'll Transferred oh, shit, her I'm sexual... She has transferred her sexual affection to Ron. Oh. Although he has no formal training in magic, he has an extraordinary amount of experience and understanding in the field. Huh? From some of his experiences, I deduce that he is in direct touch with some higher intelligence. Possibly his guardian angel. (laughs) His guardian angel? He describes his angel as a beautiful winged woman with red hair whom he Uh. calls the Empress, and who has guided him through his life and saved him many times.
2: (laughs) That's what he looks like! How that... (laughs) Wait!
0: So All right, his moving angel on. Angel
2: is a winged redhead? I guess so. How does he know my girlfriend? Oh my god. I don't. <laughs> let's. <yeah. laughs> it's totally real. <laughs> uh, uh, so, hey. Let's talk about John DuPont's early yeah, life, shall let's, uh, we? Let's, let's roll right over into John DuPont's early life. So, Steve Carell, I mean, John DuPont, fuck. <laughs> was born November 22nd, 1938, to William DuPont Jr. and Jean Lister Austin in Philadelphia. He was the youngest in the family and spent his early years on the sizable property and within the sizable mansion in Newton Square. Now, maybe it wasn't an, an idyllic childhood, Uh-oh. but John DuPont never wanted for anything as a kid. Oh, okay. Except for friends. Oh, sounds like you. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> the DuPont family owned 200 acres on that one lot alone. I have friends, James. Uh-huh. I have so many friends. Uh-huh. I'm only doing this because you pay me, by the way. Uh-huh. That's I don't I don't like paying that hurts, for friends. It? I don't like paying for people to touch me, but you know that What happens. the f completely consensual no, libertarianism says
0: that people should be able to s <laughs> from the mouth of Ron Paul I, himself.
2: <laughs> uh, the DuPont family owns two well, at the time owned two hundred anchors on that one lot alone. Wow. Um, but they also Owned many public museums, gardens, parks, and libraries. Holy cow. And John had access to all of these. Jeez. Uh, And yet is reported as a very, very lonely kid. Mm. In fact, he spent most of his time with his mom, Jean, and rarely left the DuPont mansion. Mm. I know, it's kind of sad. But the estate in Newton Square was a magnificent setup for thoroughbred horse breeding. Cool. uh, And the DuPont family was well known for producing magnificent Race <laughs> <laughs> Why what
0: was the, oh, Yeah. Okay. Uh,
2: this farm stayed in John's mother's possession after John's parents divorced in 1941 oh. when John was two. Oh, yeah. Poor, poor dude. I know. He's not off to a great start. Mm. But, well, I mean, kind of. it yeah, definitely His is. His parents a,
0: just got to stop horsing around. And oh, gosh. <laughs>
2: It's the horsing around that made them rich, James. Oh, right. So anyway, DuPont graduated high school and was accepted into the University of PA. Uh, There he met, or rather, he joined Zeta Psi, Mm. uh, but withdrew before freshman year was over, possibly because of, you know, frat haze, all that's <laughs> <common>. <laughs> uh, and it wouldn't have been easy for him let's just be honest right uh, but from there uh, he transferred to Miami and graduated in 1965 with a degree in zoology oh cool right? uh, he then completed a doctorate in natural science during which time he is credited with having discovered over 20 new species of birds in the Whoa. Philippines <laughs> and- yeah I know wow and- uh, spent a lot of time over there, finishing his uh, graduate work and discovering lots of new birds. Jeez. Pretty cool. Um, the Wikipedia article notes that uh, Mark Schultz, who will come up later, mm. revealed on another podcast that around this time, John DuPont was riding a horse and got thrown into a fence. Oh, jeez. He suffered a terrible injury to his man, Oh, and, no, no, I know. No, no. Sadly, and had to have his testicles removed. Mm. Um, we have another boston corbett we have game. another bo- but this is an unwilling boston corbett uh, hmm. so yeah we've got some major trauma going on in, in uh, mr dupont's life at this point sure. um Jeez. it actually resulted him in, in dis- displaying some uh androgynous traits though honestly that's pretty vague and hmm. i know nothing about that sort of thing but i wanted to bring it up because that kind of trauma uh would have a good effect on literally just about anybody right uh, i can't imagine going through something like that and coming out normal Uh. Uh-uh. <laughs> um but uh, that didn't stop old DuPont from getting married. What, uh, what, yeah, what? That's right. When he was 45, DuPont married a 29-year-old named Gail Wank. Uh, okay. <laughs> uh, so uh, it lasted less than a year, though. Well, um, yeah. And after the divorce, Wank sued DuPont for $5 million, Jeez. claiming that John had pointed a gun at Whoa. her and attempted to shove her into a fireplace. <laughs> <What>? <laughs> Uh, but it's unclear if she won that or not. Oh. All I can find is that her lawyer refuses to discuss the case. So it sounds to me like he didn't win. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> the lawyer's like, nah, you know, da, 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 da. nope, not going to talk about it. Uh, about this time, Dupont became very interested in wrestling, which is where I will leave us for now. And speaking of leaving us, can we take a break? Yes, I need to cool off. Yeah, okay. yeah. Okay. Again,
0: listeners, it's hot.
2: In yeah, here. it's hot because James, uh, James lives in hell. It is clean, though. I will say that. Yes, this place yes, is sparkling it is clean. clean. Uh, did I just mention, uh, you've moved down to the history lab now? You live uh, in the history lab? Is that why it's so clean? Did you hire uh, a maid? No. I moved down here when it was a mess. You didn't and hire then, Roberta, did you? She's not a real maid, you know. Yeah, I know. She's one of your prostitutes. Uh, prostitute is is a not the preferred nomenclature, James. Lady of the night. Whatever.
0: Lady of well, the night. I haven't seen her. I haven't cleaned this place, and... I'm just gonna take a break. You know what? Yep, let's let's go. Yeah.
2: Welcome back to We Talk About Dead People, a podcast where we pick two dead. I'm sorry, I'm not gonna do the whole show intro. I'm just saying, welcome back. It's already like 14 minutes into this. Thing, yeah, we're, or, we are well, fucked. This is going to be a super long <laughs> <so> episode. Long. <laughs> okay, well, uh, in order uh, to save time, let's just jump right into L. Ron Hubbard's early life. Go, J. Okay.
0: Now, before I begin,
2: no. <laughs>
0: <laughs> I have to make something clear. Okay. Uh, the story of Hubbard's life is kind of the story of two different people. Uh, what? Here's the thing. Uh, hush. Uh,. Okay, I'm just going to give away the ending because that will make things easier, I think. So, who is Mr. Hubbard? Mr. Hubbard founded the Church of Scientology. No! (laughs) Uh, Now, here's the thing. There are basically two drastically different accounts of Hubbard's entire life. Of course. The Church of Scientology gives one biography of Hubbard. The correct one. While literally everybody (laughs) else on the planet agrees to a different story. The incorrect one. (laughs) Of course. (laughs) I'm going to attempt to tell both stories together and let the listeners decide which story they think is factual. That's fair. With this said, let us dive into the story of Lafayette Ronald Hubbard. (laughs) And for those of you who think I've spoiled the story by giving away the ending, think again! Okay. The Church of Scientology is not going to show up for a while. We've got a long and crazy road before that. (laughs) So off we go! Okay! Lafayette Ronald Hubbard was... (laughs) (laughs) Lafayette, Ronald Uh, Hubbard. I can see why he went with Elrond. Elrond. (laughs) Elrond. Council of Elrond. So he was born in? 1911 in Tilden, Nebraska. Okay. Now, right away, we have two accounts of his upbringing. Uh. Scientology biographers say that Hubbard was a child prodigy and did such things as learn how to ride a horse before he could walk, Uh. could read and write by the age of four, (laughs) and spent his days, quote, Riding, breaking broncos, hunting coyote, and taking his first steps as an explorer.
2: Uh, what? Wait, wait. Okay, so wait, wait, wait. wait. So, he- and I know I'm just slowing this down, but seriously, riding a horse before he can walk does that mean his parents just like put him on the horse and like the horse walked around while he like flailed <laughs> like lying on his back in the saddle? Oh, I guess he could read and write by the age of four.
0: What was he reading? I mean, he was reading- also hunting coyotes.
2: Yeah, coy ki- coyote. But
0: that's not wrong. He uh, <laughs> he also. Coyote.
2: Are we from Are we from the north? Are we coyotes. From, yeah, hunting the coyotes. Okay.
0: Uh, <laughs> uh, he also became a blood brother with the Native American Blackfeet tribe at the age of six uh, because he had befriended their medicine man. Okay. <laughs> uh, he was raised on his wealthy grandfather's large cattle ranch and would later inherit all the money and international property that his grandfather had. So I guess his father got screwed out of that inheritance. I guess so. So okay. anyway, that's the Scientology uh, account. How now bad. nine, no, nine. <laughs> nine. <laughs> now non-scientology biographers have a slightly different view. Their view is that Hubbard's grandfather was not a rich cattle rancher, but was a non-wealthy wealthy veterinarian. <laughs> non-wealthy? Non-wealthy. Are we still in I Germany? <laughs> non-wealthy what? Uh veterinarian. Oh, uh, that's a major difference there. <laughs> yeah. uh. As for the whole Blackfeet brother or blood brother thing, the Blackfeet reservation was located over a hundred miles away from where Hubbard grew up, and the tribe what? didn't actually practice the art of blood brother. Okay, wait, 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 wait. So you, we know that Hubbard can ride a horse. Right. So he could have
2: ridden a hundred miles. True. Yeah, um, and he could have made up the practice of blood brotherhood and
0: I guess. Uh, but there's no <coughs> proof that Hubbard actually became a Blackfeet brother. So yeah, off to a sad start. What would proof look like? I don't know. (laughs) I don't Uh, know. Okay. These are according to the non-Scientology biographers. Yeah, the liars. (laughs) (laughs) Jeez, we're going to get sued so hard. Uh, So Hubbard's dad is in the U.S. Navy, and the family moves around on the West Coast to San Francisco and then Seattle, and then eventually to Washington, D.C., which is, I guess, not on the West Coast. Yes. (laughs) I I, I don't guess that. I know that. (laughs) Wait, I thought Washington was the West Coast. Yes. Well, I'm not going to explain this. That's the
2: state, isn't it? Yes. The state of Washington. What's the state of Washington, D.C., James? It's a
0: terrible state. <laughs> uh, during these travels with the Navy, little boy Hubbard met a Navy medic who taught him all about Freudian analysis. Useful? Even as a boy, he found scientific approaches to the mind unsatisfying. Uh, okay. This will come up later, of course. Hubbard was also active in the Boy Scouts of America and earned the rank of Eagle Scout when he was only 13 years old. <laughs> he beat you. <laughs> yeah, I'm five years behind. Mm, yeah. Wait, so wait, that's true. He actually did I become an Eagle so. Scout at 13. I think so. Huh, that's cool. Yay for the BSA! Yeah! <laughs> uh, then Hubbard's dad was posted in Bremerton, Washington, and so the family moved here, and Hubbard attended Queen Anne High School. Ah, then in beard. 1927, Hubbard's dad was stationed in Guam, Hubbard's mom went with her husband, but Hubbard was sent to live with his grandmother in St. Helena, Montana, in order to finish his schooling. Ah, oh, okay. Then things changed. right? <laughs> uh, from 1927 to 1929, Hubbard traveled to Japan, China, the Philippines, and Guam. Okay. Uh, and here we go with the two different accounts. Scientology historians describe this time in Hubbard's life as the following. His travels were funded by his wealthy grandfather, and Humber- Hubbard partook in these travels in order to examine Eastern philosophy and religion. Ah! He spent many months questioning Buddhist priests and ancient Chinese magicians, but was not content with their explanations about how the spiritual worked. <laughs> uh.
1: See,
0: here's the thing. I've heard... Okay. I've watched the documentary
2: going clear, so obviously I'm an expert, but mm-hmm. there's these there are these great clips in that documentary about Hubbard like with Hubbard himself talking about this stuff, okay, and he's the most pompous bastard you can imagine. Jeez. He's like I traveled to to The Far East, and there I met with the highest magicians (laughs) in Chinese culture, and I decided that they were all full of shit and that I'm smarter than they are. So haha, listen to me. (laughs) Yeah. Oh well. So what did he do in Guam? Did he debunk their
0: philosophy there? (laughs) No, he volunteered and taught the natives of Guam. Oh. According to Scientology. Then he went to China where he became a sailor for 14 months. Then he returned to the United States and finished high school in Washington, D.C. I'm sorry, but
2: you're just a sailor? Does that mean you just sail boats around? I don't know. I, I don't know. Uh, <laughs> uh,
0: so what did he actually uh, do? Well, well we <laughs> don't know. Don't make assumptions here, Aaron. Other biographers have an entirely different account of what Hubbard did in these years, and they use Hubbard's personal diary as evidence. Or that's what they say. <laughs> pretty could be wrong. good evidence. <laughs> According to his personal diary, Hubbard did travel to Asia, but he went with his mom on his way to meet with Dad, who you'll remember was stationed with the navy at guam hubbard and his mom did stop at a few chinese ports along the way but well hubbard was a bit less spiritual and a bit more racist Ah. during these stops in china and japan hubbard disdained the poverty in japan and china and referred to the inhabitants as lazy and ignorant gooks oh Mm. like is that a quote It's a... Yeah. Something like that. Oh, my God. Upon returning back to Montana, Hubbard got terrible grades and left school to go live with his aunt and uncle in Seattle. This didn't work out too well, so he eventually was sent back to his parents in Guam. Wow. His mom started educating him herself in order to give Hubbard a chance to pass the United States Naval Academy's entrance exam. Wow.
2: Okay, so this guy's been everywhere. Yeah. This is uh, crazy.
0: So, yeah, he's in Guam right now, but... Then Hubbard's family were moved and they landed in China for a little bit with several other Navy families. Okay. Then they went to Shanghai and then Hong Kong and then back to Guam. <laughs> <laughs> Can't
2: get away from Guam. I <laughs> uh, guess
0: not. <laughs> uh, Scientology records, records describe Hubbard's personal life during these travels and probably the best sentence ever written by mankind. <laughs> Scientology says that Hubbard, quote, made his way deep into Manchuria's western hills and beyond to break bread with Mongolian bandits, share campfires with scientists, Iberian shamans oh. and befriend the last in line of magicians from the court of Kublai Khan. <laughs> <laughs> Which I really hope you did because that sentence is just beautiful. <laughs> that is
2: so crazy. He <laughs> sounds like a, a goddamn like hero. Like Marco Polo from or something. Like a
0: radio drama from the 40s. Yeah. Oh my gosh. But, um, well, Hubbard's personal diary doesn't actually record any of these events. Oh, okay. But he does make a few comments about the natives of China. Oh. Hubbard writes such things as, A Chinaman cannot live up to a thing. He always drags it down. That is a direct quote, everybody. And they smell of all the baths they didn't take. Oh, my God. (laughs) The trouble with China is there are too many chinks. What the fuck? (laughs) So, uh... (laughs) Maybe not as spiritual, as some say, but oh who's to say? <laughs> anyway, back in Guam, Hubbard failed the Naval Academy's entrance exam. Okay. Huge surprise. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> so he was enrolled to a school in Virginia and then in Washington, D.C., where he successfully graduated from the Woodward Schools for Boys and then entered George Washington University in 1930. Wow. So uh, that kind of wraps it up for Hubbard's early life. Uh, a few lies here and there, but just wait. Just wait. Wait. <laughs> uh, I don't...
2: You know what? I'm gonna pretend that I don't know anything about Hubbard and just say, I bet it gets worse, doesn't it, James? It does. <laughs> okay, well, speaking of worse, let's move on over to John DuPont's adult life. Yeah, oh, let's do it. I don't know a single thing about this, dude. Yeah, okay. So, John DuPont was a collector. Mm. As a kid, he acquired over a million seashells and 100,000 <laughs> preserved crap. birds. Yeah, he collected everything uh, from movie movies to movie props and, my personal favorite, a Civil War Gatling gun oh, and an nice. armored personnel carrier. Wow. Um, but he also gave a ton of money to universities and hospitals. He wasn't just spending on nothing. Wow, um, so, Okay. Uh, And one of his personal donations was to Villanova University. He wanted to pay for a wrestling team. Uh, And at first this seemed like a good thing, uh, but it all came to a halt amidst allegations of sexual misconduct, uh uh, misconduct on John's part. Yeah, apparently he tried to seduce a coach. Uh, yeah, but he doesn't have testicles. Yeah, it doesn't. He got married, man. Doesn't matter. You don't need him. You know, you don't need him. I saw the Imitation Game. You don't have to have sex to be oh, married. <laughs> it's a good movie. Everybody, go watch the Imitation Game. Uh, anyway, Dupont denied everything uh, and settled the matter outside of court. But the damage was already done. Oh dear. So obviously they, he wasn't going to start a wrestling team at Villanova. Um, but. Yeah. He did what any of us would do if we couldn't start a wrestling team at an official university. And what would we do? He started his own on his ranch and called it Team Foxcatcher. Okay, kind of a neat name. Uh, It was a world-class training facility for both wrestlers and swimmers, Hmm. built for the goal of defeating the Russians in the Olympics. Beat those commies. (laughs) Now, there's actually an excellent documentary about this whole ordeal that I recommend highly. It's has some of the worst MIDI-sounding music I've ever heard within the first five minutes, but Uh, it is so worth powering through. It's called Team Foxcatcher, and it's a Netflix doc. Really, check it out. There's nothing like seeing DuPont in action on video and hearing (laughs) the story from the real people who are involved in this. Wow. So yeah, check it out. It's great. Anyway, Team Foxcatcher went into development shortly after John's mother died. Mm -hmm. They were incredibly close, so for the loss, John, you know, was absolutely shattered.
1: Mm, Uh,
2: And it's around here that DuPont really started to show some cracks. Uh, while developing Team Foxcatcher and recruiting athletes from around the world, DuPont started cruising around the 200-acre estate with loaded firearms.
0: Ah, okay. Yeah. Uh, good sign.
2: <laughs> <laughs> he would sometimes discharge said firearms to the windows of his moving oh. car. <laughs> but uh, this was just the beginning. Oh, dear. DuPont managed to recruit a man named Dave Schultz and his younger brother Mark, who we mentioned earlier. Oh, yeah. mm-hmm. um, Dave was said to be one of the best, if not the best, wrestlers in the world. Well, he was said to be the best wrestler in the world. Uh, He was extremely kind hearted and an excellent coach, according to literally just about everyone. Wow. Um, He also seemed to go out of his way to try and
0: understand and help DuPont deal with his problems. You know,. What is it with the name Dave? Every Dave I've ever known has been so kind and helpful. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Shout out to all the Daves listening to Thank
2: us. Thank you, Daves.
0: <laughs> we need more Daves. <laughs> uh, but anyway, so
2: this Dave uh, even invited John over to dinner a lot just to spend, have him spend time with his family and get out of his house. Um, he spent time with him outside of training and really seemed to genuinely care for the man. Um unfortunately, it didn't seem to help matters. Uh, while Foxcatcher was operating um, to send wrestlers to the Olympics, John DuPont was hiring personal bodyguards. Oh, he was convinced for a um, while that his house was haunted. Uh, okay. And was later convinced that the ghosts were actually just Dave Schultz clambering <laughs> through the walls. <laughs> I've used yeah. that same excuse. Yeah. So, guys, if you have any weird sounds in your hallways or your walls, just... Uh, just uh, it's a Dave. It's Dave. <laughs> so, uh, uh. Du- DuPont actually hired some contractors to bust out the walls oh. <laughs> and take seismographs of the land to check for tunnels. Jeez. And they did it. Well, Which, I mean... Do they find anything? No. Oh. And that's the thing. It didn't help him at all. It just fed the delusion. Mm. Um, but they took his money to feed his delusion. So, Wow. Uh, at one point, he drove a Lincoln sedan into a pond... Oh yeah. Okay. He just drove it into the pond. Well, those are pieces of shit. Yeah. Well, hey, no, this was a luxury car. Oh yeah. Okay. So it was fished out, and the very next day he drove a rental car mm. into the same pond. Yeah. <laughs> so he would approach people and tell them that the deer on the property were actually robots. Oh. Uh, and he would see things okay. that simply weren't there. Wow. Um, oh. <laughs> yeah. So one of the things that stuck out to me in the documentary was that he would often like walk up to people who were looking out of the fields and be like, "Do you see that out there?" And there wouldn't be anything there. And they'd look and they'd be like, see what? And he's like, right there. Do you see that? And eventually they would be like, okay, I see it. And he would just walk away. Oh. Yeah, so he'd just make stuff up. Right, okay. To mess with people's minds. Well, maybe he didn't. Well, Maybe, maybe we're the blind ones. Maybe, they, yeah, maybe, <laughs> there were, maybe there were ghosts out there, little goblins running around. I don't know. Um, but anyway, so the next thing is he develops a phobia of the color black. Okay. So he bans all black cars mm. and black things and sadly black people.
0: Oh, come yeah.
2: on. Uh, and at one point, uh, one of the wrestlers, who is a white guy, one of the ones left, <laughs> okay. uh, was lifting weights on the bench when suddenly uh, DuPont walks up to him with an assault rifle Ooh. and tells him to get off the property. What? Yeah. So uh. <laughs> nobody did anything. Oh, good, right? good. Good. So they just tolerated this strange behavior mm. because DuPont was giving them a place to live, funding their sport. Uh, and providing them with world-class training. Um, It may sound like a bad trade, but honestly, this was a livelihood for these people. Uh, They could pursue the sport without worrying about provisions, and I'm sure a lot of them felt really trapped. Yeah, for sure. So, uh, Mm -hmm. Anyway, it would be later revealed that DuPont believed that Dave Schultz was the head of an international conspiracy aiming to assassinate Ah. him. So, sadly, in the winter of 1996, John shot Dave Schultz outside of his home at the DuPont estate. Um... And killed he, him? Yeah, he killed him. Oh. Uh, so then DuPont goes and hides in his mansion for two days while talking to the police on the phone. Hmm. The police tried to get him to come out willfully, but he refused, so they shut off his heat. Um, <laughs> and he went outside to fix his heater, and that's when the police <laughs> captured him. Ah, the old heater ruse. Yeah, works on me. <laughs> yeah. yeah. <coughs> Not in here, though, it's no. <laughs> uh, now there is some info saying that DuPont was under the influence of a drug called scopolamine, scopolamine which okay. is a drug that, when taken improperly, can cause hallucinations. Bad ones. Nightmare-like hallucinations. Ah. Yeah. <laughs> some of DuPont's family members blamed DuPont's bodyguard uh, for getting him started on hard drugs, and they were convinced that John never would have committed the murder unless he was under the influence of some kind of drug. Okay. Yeah. So, hmm. that's the defense there. Um, but... That's, so, that's kind of enough about him.
0: Yeah, we'll get back to him. Um, but I kind of want to take another break. Uh, yeah. yeah. Just get ready, audience. Yeah. Buckle in. Yeah. This is gonna take a long time. James wrote a fuck ton. Get ready. <laughs> uh, all right. All
2: right. Let's cut it. Mm. Yeah. Cut it. Cut. Welcome back to We Talk About Dead People. A podcast where we pick two <laughs> I'm just not gonna do it. It's not even funny. Um, but hey, we gotta get right into this because James yep. wrote a fuck ton about
0: L. Ron Hubbard. Mm-hmm. Uh, and there's a fuck ton to write, believe me. <laughs> yeah, and I left so many things out too. So yeah, really. <laughs> after this podcast, research him yourself because he's incredible <laughs> better yet better
2: yet go and watch go and clear or read the book yeah. both are fantastic or um, terrible depending or, on depending, it, depending you're, on, uh, yeah. who you're trusting yeah it depends mm. on who you trust if you're a Scientologist and you read those books remember you're breaking the rules uh you can actually get in trouble mm. um I don't know if they still have the web ban but Scientologists aren't supposed to surf the web oh uh, and if they google anything that's like anti-Scientology they get in trouble for it
0: so. Yeah, we'll get more into that later. Yeah, but for now, let's get into L. Ron Hubbard's <laughs> uh, adult life. Okay, so Mr. Hubbard attended George Washington University, and again, we have two very different accounts. Okay. <laughs> Scientology says that Hubbard. Uh, Wait, Scientology says that Hubbard studied nuclear physics here and then went on to become interested in researching the mind, spirit, and life. Okay. Scientology also says that Hubbard was very interested in extracurricular activities, such as aviation and writing while in school. Okay. Scientologists claim that Hubbard became one of the nation's most renowned (laughs) pilots at this time.
2: (laughs) Are there renowned pilots? I mean, besides Uh, like like the Wright brothers? Chuck Yeager. (laughs) Wright brothers. Uh, uh, Maybe. Uh, uh, Yeah, Chuck Yeager, the Wright brothers. L. Ron Hubbard. <laughs> Charles Lindbergh. Oh,
0: who's, who's the Spirit of St. Louis gal? I can never remember.
2: Spirit of St. Louis, isn't that uh, that's that's Lindbergh's oh, name? Or wait, oh yeah, that's Lindbergh. Oh, but you're thinking oh, right, of Amelia right. Earhart? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay.
0: Um, well, yes, he's up there with those renowned <laughs> atheists. Did you say atheists? I almost did. Atheists. A-vi-a- aviation A-vi-ators. celebrities. <laughs> okay. Okay. Oh, we, gotta, we gotta pick so up what the So
2: what do the opposing biographers say?
0: They say that Hubbard did not study nuclear physics at all. Oh. In fact, the only class that he took that was remotely connected to nuclear physics, he received an F grade in. Oh! They claim that this is according to the university's official records. Well, those don't yeah, count yeah, for anything. Yeah, Yeah, come on. In regards to Hubbard's flying career, they say that he only ever had a license to fly a glider (laughs) and that he failed to renew this license due to lack of funds. Well, so he's poor. So, yeah, uh, there are some arguments over this whole thing. Get used to that. (laughs) Anyways, during Hubbard's last semester at school, he organized an expedition to the Caribbean for 50 young men and himself to go on. Oh, okay. The (laughs) purpose... Good reaction. The purpose of the adventure was to document old pirate strongholds and find artifacts that could be shown in a museum. Cool! Yeah, it sounds awesome. But... Uh, this expedition ran into problems right away. Okay. Ten of the 50 guys quit. Okay. And then a storm blew the shift off course, and another 11 guys quit in Bermuda. Okay. By this time, the ship, the trip was running out of money, so they were all forced to go back to Baltimore. So everybody quit. <laughs> uh, Hubbard blamed the ship's captain for being a moron and a coward, while <laughs> others say that this was all a scheme for Hubbard to make some dough from the 50 dudes who joined him on his little adventure. Well, Scientology fun. claims that Hubbard did collect a bunch of important pictures and specimens, on this trip, and then gave these to the University of Michigan, the U.S. Hydrographic Office, and the New York Times. Oh. All of these institutions deny this. They're a bunch of liars. <laughs> liars. Uh, in 1932, Hubbard dropped out of school and traveled to Puerto Rico. Puerto Rico. Scientology deems this trip to the blah, 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 the, uh, no, Scientology deems this trip the Puerto Rican mineral mineralogical, mineralogical expedition. Words, James. I know. <laughs> uh, there's just so many words. <laughs> 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 According to them, Hubbard made a mineralogical survey of the of this place <laughs> in search. Puerto Rico in search of gold and also to help the natives and hill men. Ah, those men on the hills. <laughs> <laughs> Aptly named. Yeah. Reportedly though, neither the United States Geological Survey nor the Puerto Rico Department of Natural Resources have any records of this expedition. Oh, so we've got a bunch of conspirators I who are deli- so. deliberately eliminating all of these things. <laughs> uh, yeah. Non-Scientology biographers claim that Hubbard was sent to Puerto Rico after his father volunteered him for relief effort after the terrible 1932 San Cyprian 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 C- C- yeah, hurricane and then spent much of his time searching for gold <laughs> <laughs> what is this like uh, the 16th century I don't know well here we go according to these biographers hubbard said in his own words Harboring the thought that the Conquistadors might have left some gold behind, I determined to find it. Mm. Gold prospecting in the wake of the Conquistadors on the hunting grounds of the pirates in the islands which still reek of Columbus is romantic, (laughs) and I do not begrudge the sweat which splashed in muddy rivers, and the bits of khaki which have probably blown away from the thorn bushes long ago. Okay, so I have an objection to this. (laughs) The Conquistadors went there to find gold, not to bring gold. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. <laughs> uh, El uh, Dorado. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So, uh, continuing the quote, yes. After a half year or more of intensive search, after wearing my palms thin, wielding a sample pack, after assaying a few hundred sacks of ore, I came back a failure. Oh. Don't worry, he won't be a failure for long. Well, Well, uh, (laughs) According to Scientology, he he was never never a a failure. failure. (laughs) In the 1930s, Hubbard became a well-known writer for Pulp Fiction magazines. Ah. Scientologists make the claim that Hubbard was a superb and well-known writer even before leaving college. They also say that he made a ton of money from the writing and made a living this way for some time. They also say that he was called to Hollywood to work on film scripts for several movies. Uh, okay. Other biographers state that although Hubbard published many stories, he didn't make nearly as much money as Scientology claims, and also does not appear in the credits of most of the movies Scientologists claim he was part of. And who would? I mean, he probably wrote The Angry Red Planets. <laughs> Watch it, everybody. It's the best movie ever made. Uh, yeah. Available on YouTube. <laughs> <laughs> Then, well, he may have met a woman named Margaret Grubb, <laughs> married her, and then had two kids with her. Oh. I say may have. Okay. Scientology and later Hubbard himself deny that oh. this marriage ever took place, and her name does not appear in any Scientology biography, biographies of Hubbard. Oh. Well, but, okay. well, uh, other biographers claim that Hubbard married Margaret in 1933 and they had two kids. One of these kids, reportedly, was Lafayette Ronald Hubbard Jr., (laughs) who was nicknamed His Nibs, (laughs) (laughs) which is possibly the worst nickname ever. Ew. 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 I don't want to think about His (laughs) Nibs. No thanks. (laughs) (laughs) This kid later changed his name to Ronald DeWolf, Uh. which is certainly an improvement. And he pretty much called his dad in Scientology a load of crap for his entire life. Ah, I remember this guy. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, Anyway, back to Hubbard. In 1938, Hubbard wrote a super important manuscript and... He called it Excalibur. Oh. (laughs) Uh, Scientologists (laughs) claim that this manuscript outlines humanity's principles for existence. Uh, And it's called Excalibur? (laughs) Yes, uh, like the sword. Okay. According to them, Hubbard had the epiphany for this book when he died for eight minutes during a medical operation. Upon returning to life, he knew he had to write this book. And name it Excalibur. Yeah. 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 Anyway, Hubbard then later called Arthur Burks, the president of the American Fiction Guild, and joyfully exclaimed that, I want to see you right away! I've written THE book! he wrote the bible Uh, well (laughs) he's a man of the book he believed this book was more important than the bible and that it would revolutionize humanity hold on i'm making a note i'm gonna read this (laughs) well okay uh what we don't have it what actually okay here's the thing he reportedly called several publishing companies to try and get the book published but they all turned him down So it was never published, and we don't really know what it says. Damn! At least from what I could find. Mm. Scientologists claimed, though, that it formed the foundation for later Scientology thought, and they also marketed alleged copies of it in the 1950s for $1,500 a piece, which is like $30,000. Whoa! (laughs) Scientologists also claimed that four of the 15 first people who read the book either went insane or committed suicide. (laughs) That bad, huh? The whole (laughs) issue was like super secretive. Oh my. Anyway, back to Hubbard. In 1940, he joined the Explorers Club and took control of the organization organization's trip to Alaska and British Columbia. Okay. The purpose of this trip was to investigate certain radio methods or something. Okay. Something like that. <laughs> anyway, uh, Hubbard was given full control of the trip and he and his wife, or not his wife, according to Scientologists, <laughs> got on the boat with some other people and left. Scientologists claimed that on this trip, Hubbard mapped a bunch of coastal islands and lands along Canada and Alaska, recharted the treacherous inside (laughs) passage, did a study on the indigenous peoples there, braved 70-mile-per-hour winds, made it all the way to the Aleutian Islands and um roped a grizzly bear that should be at the top of the list <laughs> oh yeah like every
2: effigy of H- hubbard it should always have him like with a grizzly bear on a leash <laughs> or riding it better yet yeah having oh. coffee with a grizzly bear <laughs> Jeez. did he with meet Sarah it at Palin. tinder <laughs> <laughs>
0: Uh, others say that the trip was a monumental failure. Oh, but they're all liars. Right. Uh, these people report that the ship's engine broke down only two days after leaving. The whole party got stranded in Alaska for several weeks while trailing, to, trying to raise money to fix the engine and only then returned home, having failed their initial objectives. Oh. Cool story either way, I suppose, mm-hmm. even though I, I prefer the grizzly bear. I, I prefer the grizzly bear. Yeah. yeah. Then oh, World War II... Oh, be- you just kind of said Grizzly Bar.
2: I did. We should name our tavern the Grizzly oh, Bar. Oh, my God.
0: Oh. You're a brilliant man. Yeah, I know. <laughs> yeah. Grizzly Bar. The Grizzly Bar. The Grizzly Bar. Mm, Come yes. here and get grizzled. <laughs> uh, then World War II begins. Mm. And yes, you know what's coming. Oh. Two completely different accounts of what Hubbard did during <laughs> the war. <laughs> okay. We'll start with what the non-biographers said he did. Okay. I mean, the... Uh, the, Scientologist. the Scientologists. The yes. Got it. So these guys claim that Hubbard joined the U.S. Naval Reserve in 1941. Oh, wait. No, no, no. I'm sorry. These are the non-Scientologists. Oh, okay, okay. So they claimed that he joined the U.S. Naval Reserve in 1941, had a substandard military career, was never injured, only earned about four medals, spent almost all of his time in the continental United States training or doing administrative <laughs> okay. work. Only briefly commanded a patrol ship off the coasts of Oregon and California, and accidentally bombed Mexico. Uh, what? (laughs) Uh, Yeah, Yeah. one time he ordered his ship to fire on Mexican land because he thought it was uninhabited American land. Oh, okay, so we'll just bomb America. (laughs) It wasn't. Okay. It was Mexican land, and the Mexican government got really mad. (laughs) Then he was transferred to inactive duty in 1946 because he was basically a giant buffoon. So he starts an international in- incident and then gets uh, transferred to inactive duty. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. According to the non Scientologists. Okay. But as you can expect, the Church of Scientology has a completely different account of Hubbard's involvement with the war. Is it better? Uh, slightly. Oh, okay. <laughs> Actually, completely. Did he bomb Mexico in it? No. Oh. Uh, Scientologists oh. claim that Hubbard was a huge war hero, oh. received like 21 medals. Oh, my God. <laughs> Fought in all five theaters of the war, <laughs> no. and then was severely wounded, oh. crippled, and blinded Whoa. in combat. What? Well, he then healed himself in a military hospital in only two days by using what he knew about mankind and spirituality. So he's a wizard, I guess. Nice. Uh, Hubbard also claimed that he saw combat quite a bit, including one time when he sailed his ship directly into a Japanese port. Uh. He removed his ship's American flag, and the Japanese didn't what? realize it was an American ship. Oh, that's such bullshit. The ships look completely different. I know. <laughs> <laughs> he then docked and lived in this what? Japanese port for a couple of oh. days before re- returning to sea. How? 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 He's a white dude. <laughs> what could happen? Well, uh, who knows? <laughs> uh, there's also some more interesting claims, but we really need to pick the pit. Pay- Pick up the pace in order to get through all of this. Ah, oh, damn. Anyway, the Church of Scientology claims that he quit the Navy after learning that the U.S. military was trying to monopolize all the medical knowledge he had figured out while injured in the hospital. So they're trying to steal his wizardry. Right, huh? yes. Uh, oh, they also claim that his later life problems of bad eyesight and a crippled back were because he had been shot several times in the back <laughs> and also had a bomb go off in his face, causing his eyesight to diminish. He must have been a pretty good distance away from that bomb. Oh, uh, <laughs> so yeah. Not I really in so. his face. <laughs> uh. Biographers who don't follow the Scientologist account say he was put into the military hospital because of an ulcer <laughs> and not because he had seen any combat or sustained any injuries from battle. Oh. <laughs>
1: <laughs> oh, sir. Poor oh, Hubbard.
0: Yeah. Poor Hubbard. Interestingly enough, in 1990, the Church of Scientology released Hubbard's official military career documents in the Los Angeles Times. But, well, uh, federal archivists claim that this document is obviously a forgery. Uh, so who knows? Liars. Mm-hmm. Liars. <laughs> Uh, we still have a while left before we get to Scientology, okay. so hang on. All right, I'm gripping the desk. Anyway, <laughs> it, you are. <laughs> anyway, after the war, Hubbard ran into some hardships not not hardships during the war, but just regular old hardships. <laughs> uh, yeah, <laughs> problems. Okay. <laughs> He described this time with his own words, quote, was abandoned by my family and friends as a supposedly hopeless cripple and a probable burden upon them for the rest of my days. Wow, that was actually a really good Hubbard impression. Oh, thank you. Uh, Hubbard's sister, though, has a different account. She says that Hubbard's wife, or not wife, wife. uh, his wife simply refused to move from Washington to California, where Hubbard was staying. (sighs) Thus, their marriage began to fall apart. He was also cheating on her, but we'll get oh, to that Oh, yeah, later. classic. <laughs> or not cheating on her, depending. Not cheating. On. They couldn't cheat on a not-wife. Come on. Right, man. of course. Come on. <laughs> uh, yeah, the Scientologists don't believe they were ever married, so maybe Hubbard's account was right. Okay. Then Hubbard begins living with a guy named John Parsons. Alright, oh, John Parsons from the beginning. Yes, Uh, I quoted him in the beginning. Yes. At this time, John Parsons was a leading rocket propulsion researcher at the California Institute of Technology. Wow, Caltech. Sounds like a good friend for Hubbard to have, right? Yeah, you know, I already know the story, so you're not gonna surprise me. Wrong! John Parsons is also a devout Satanist. Uh, Oh. (laughs) And not a Levanian Satanist, that is, an atheist with anger issues. (laughs) No, this guy actually believed in dark arts and magic and demons and stuff like that right now of course as i'm sure you've you're used to at this point there are two very different stories (laughs) of what happens next i know which one i'm gonna like better (laughs) (laughs) actually they're both pretty good okay so scientology claims that hubbard spent these years continuing to write and studying the mind they also make the following claim which interestingly hubbard appears to have written himself great (laughs) uh and this is the claim Hubbard broke up black magic in America. Oh, I hate breakups. No fun. L. <laughs> uh, Ron Hubbard was still an officer of the U.S. Navy because he was well known as a writer and a philosopher and had friends amongst the physicists. He was sent to handle the situation. He went to live at the house and investigated the black magic rites and the general general situation and found them very bad. Oh, no. An <laughs> actual code. Uh, Hubbard's mission was successful far beyond anyone's expectations. The house was torn down Hubbard rescued a girl they were using, and the Black Magic group was dispersed and destroyed, and has never been recovered. Oh, good, right? So he destroyed Black Magic in America. Wow! According to non—this According to Scientologists, yeah, yeah, pretty commendable. Uh, except, well. There's a completely different account Yes. really different. Okay. Non-Scientologists generally agree that Hubbard quickly became a member of the occult. Oh. Kind of exactly opposite of what he claimed. Okay, so... Hubbard also started having sex with Jack Parsons' girlfriend. As you do. And Jack Parsons knew about this and was okay with it all. Wow. Okay, <laughs> okay. well... Uh, so yeah, Hubbard and his host, Parsons, get into some pretty crazy shit. All right. They try to summon the incarnation of Babylon... Who uh. is the supreme thelamite goddess? Okay. Then they have a bunch of magical sex rituals. Uh. And then they try to summon what they called an elemental who they wanted to magically bang. Whoa! <laughs> well, oh, by the way, there's a video of this, for all of you wondering. No way. There's
2: a video of these of these rituals. You oh, should
0: look it up. It's crazy. Wow. Yeah. Okay. okay. <laughs> it's also in the documentary. <laughs> yeah. So there's a lot more about this, but we gotta we gotta pick up the pace. Okay. okay. Then the trio, that is Hubbard, Parsons, and Parsons' girlfriend, Sarah, agree to make a business. Okay. They all gave up their life savings for this plan, which was really just Parsons. Okay, so what uh, is what kind of business is it? Is it like a grocery store? Ca- kind of. Not really, actually. <laughs> okay. The plan was for Hubbard and Sarah to buy yachts on the East Coast and then sail them to the West Coast and sell them. Uh... Fine, yes, <laughs> uh, okay. Uh, except Hubbard didn't do this. Hubbard and Sarah decided to just take a world cruise with the yachts oh! and basically fuck over poor satanic Parsons. You don't want to fuck over a satanist guy. They true. will. They will <laughs> cast a spell on you. Uh, yeah, yeah. Uh, they weren't able to though. A storm forced them back. Poor yeah. his ships are always breaking down or getting forced uh, not back. yet no oh, well, oh well, yes up to this point they are okay but just wait there are a lot more ships In, oh, great. in his future I'm ready
1: uh
0: yeah so a storm forced them back alester Crowley the famed satanist reportedly was in contact with Parsons mentoring him and such okay. he also told him that he was stupid for trusting Hubbard <laughs> <Harvard. laughs> and well he was he was right yeah Parsons lost his girl his money and his mansion because he was because he trusted Hubbard. Wow. As for what Hubbard and Sarah were up to, author L. Sprague the de Camp described his doings in a letter in which he said... <laughs> The more complete story of Hubbard is that he is now in Florida living on his yacht with a man-eating tigress <laughs> named Betty, Elias Sarah. What? Another of the same kind.
2: A man-eating tigress? <laughs>
0: yeah, that's, I gotta use that uh-huh. more. <laughs> he will probably soon thereafter arrive in these parts with Betty Sarah, broke, working the poor wounded veteran racket for all it's worth, and looking for another easy mark. Hmm. Don't say you haven't been warned. Bob thinks Ron went to pieces morally as a result of the war. I think that's fertilizer. (laughs) He always was that way, but when he wanted to conciliate conciliate, right, (laughs) or get something from somebody, he could put on a good charm act. What the war did was to wear him down to where he no longer bothers with the act. He sounds like a master manipulator, this guy. Yeah, Hubbard does. Yeah. Or maybe he doesn't. Nope, nope. Not a manipulator, just a really good guy. Great message. On August... Give me your girlfriend. (laughs) And your money and your yachts. Yes, all the yachts. On August 10th, 1946, Hubbard married Sarah. Sarah. Ah, so now he's a polygamist. I'm just talking too much. Uh, I wrote too much. He marries Sarah. And of course, according to non-Scientologists, this would mean that he is... Bigamus. Bigamous. Is that... <laughs> yep, that's how you pronounce it. I'm so tired. It's not yeah. bigamiss. I knew it was bigamous. <laughs> what am I saying? <laughs> Uh, of course, yes. He's still married to Margaret Grubb. Scientologists, of course, though, deny he was ever married to Grubb. So he... So his marriage to Sarah was his first marriage. Confused yet? Uh, Okay. Just wait. Mm. We're not even into the birth of Scientology. I forgot he invented Scientology, too. Uh. (sighs) Anyway, for the next few years, he and Sarah move around the country writing and shit. Hmm. Scientologists say he made a lot of money from writing. Uh Non-Scientologists say he was a poor bastard. (laughs) Do you notice the pattern here? (laughs) Yep. Uh, Uh, Then in 1949, Hubbard claimed that he was writing a breakthrough book on psychology. He tried to get a bunch of professional research organizations to give him research money. Did they? None did. (laughs) (laughs) So he went to his editor, John Campbell, for money, and it worked. Wow! Because Campbell had always been interested in psychoanalysis and stuff like that. So we need to trust this... Bigamous, crazy... Yes.
2: ...veteran who w- was in the hum- this hospital for an ulcer and not gunshot wounds. Right. And also bombed
0: Mexico! He bombed Mexico. <laughs> yes. <laughs> uh, so Hubbard begins writing this book, which focused on Dianetics. Mm. I'm just going to read Wikipedia's brief description of Dianetics because I'm sick and tired of writing about Hubbard. I just wanted all the end. <laughs> Kill me, Aaron.
2: <laughs> okay, I forgot to say. Jesus, you don't have to ask me twice. <laughs>
0: Tell us about Dianetics, James. So this is what Wikipedia says. The basic principle of Dianetics was that the brain recorded every experience and event in a person's life, even when unconscious. Mm -hmm. Bad or painful experiences were stored as what he called engrams in a reactive mind. These could be triggered later in life, causing emotional and physical problems. By carrying out a process he called auditing, a person could... He regressed through his engrams, engrams to re-experience past experiences.
1: Okay. This enabled
0: engrams to be cleared. Ah. The subject, who would now be in a state of clear, would have a perfectly functioning mind with an improved IQ and photographic memory. Nice! Yeah. The clear would be cured of physical ailments ranging from poor eyesight to the common cold, which Hubbard asserted were purely psychosomatic. But obviously it doesn't work for like being fat- because (laughs) L. Ron Hubbard is kind of fat. We'll get to that later. (laughs) (laughs) Anyway, so in 1950, Hubbard gives up his job as a freelance writer and begins telling the world about the glory of Dianetics. He gave an estimated 4,000 lectures on it. Holy shit. Wrote some books about it and thought it was just the shit. Yeah. In Hubbard's own words, it was the hidden source of all psychosomatic ills and human aberration. Uh, And also a milestone for man comparable to his discovery of fire and superior (laughs) to his invention of the wheel and the arch. Oh man, that's a, that's a, that's not a big claim at all.
2: Not at all. Yeah, cool stuff.
0: (laughs) Anyway, a lot of people listen to him. Of course. But medical scientists... And the press all thought he was crazy or a scammer. Oh. But still, people listened and uh, paid. Oh. Paid a lot. It wasn't cheap. Oh. According to non-scientological. Sci- Scientological. This is going. On Are you forever. drunk again? Uh, probably. <laughs> Nobody paid for this episode for you to be drunk. Nah. I'm just trying to forget my past. According to non-scientological... Scientological... Scientological... Sources. (laughs) Sessions with Hubbard would cost about $500 or so. And Hubbard was often seen stealing money from his own organization. Classy. Stealing like a lot of money. Oh. Like tens of thousands of dollars at a time. Oh. So this goes on for a while, but then people start having doubts about his whole Dianetics thing. Fewer people give Hubbard money. Fewer people come. Plus, this organization that Hubbard has created was collapsing. It was very decentralized, so competitors and branch-off Dianetic leaders were popping up everywhere. Ah, the great schism. <laughs> yeah. uh, meanwhile, according to some sources, Hubbard's wife Sarah started hanging Second out... Second wife. Second wife. <laughs> first wife. Who knows? Started hanging out with a different guy involved with the Dianetics movement. Oh, no! Hubbard wrote to the FBI and said Sarah and her lover were commies. Whoa! <laughs> The FBI didn't take him too seriously. Well, that's surprising. <laughs> but Sarah and Hubbard soon divorced. Aww. Divorced out of funds, in debt, and seeing his creation of Dianetics collapsing, Hubbard slowly and painfully disappears from his- oh, Wait! Oh. No, he doesn't! <laughs> in the darkest hour, there is hope. Hope for Hubbard! Hope for Hubbard! Hope that's for Hubbard. That's a charity. <laughs> Donate to the Scoliosis
2: Fund. <laughs> hope for Hubbard. Wait, it's- DuPont, who has scoliosis, yeah. my mistake.
0: <laughs> anyway, millionaire Don Purcell becomes interested in Dianetics and agrees to pay for a new foundation for Hubbard in Wichita, Kansas. But then the whole thing runs out of money, and Hubbard blames Purcell for being bribed to ruin him. Oh. <laughs> uh, so Hubbard goes and starts what he called the Hubbard College, <laughs> okay, where he promo- promoted his new idea of science of certainty. Oh, also called Scientology oh here it is everybody he also married an 18 year old staff member of his college <laughs> uh, so Hubbard's new discovery of Scientology came from new research of his uh, can we take a break yeah <laughs> I can't read let's take
2: a quick break then oh uh, uh, I need a water yeah a vodka let's come back. <laughs> We are back to We Talk About Dead People. And when we left off, we were still talking about L. Ron Hubbard because it just goes on and on. And I'm just, sorry. I apologized, there's, Okay. There's too much to say. He's too is. interesting. Okay. So, okay. Wait, wait, wait. So, he just invented Scientology. He got married to a
0: teenager. Yeah. Uh, and then, uh. Okay. Right. Okay. So, here he is, and he's teaching about Scientology. Okay. And he <laughs> teaches that man is a primarily spiritual being. Okay. So, here's the history of us, according to Hubbard. Yes. We are all thetans. Okay. Thetans are immortal and omniscient beings. The thetans, though, billions of years ago, created the material world and thus forgot their spiritual selves. Humans are leftover thetans. So Scientology aims to restore humans to their spiritual thetan self. Non-Scientologists believe this is all a scam and created by Hubbard because his original idea of Dianetics had lost popularity. I'm sorry, but this is not that original of an idea. I mean, don't... It sounds a lot like Mormonism.
2: I was, well, I was going to say it sounds a lot like basically every religion where you have an immortal soul. Right. Where it's like there was the fall of man and Christianity oh, and that sort true, of thing. Right. So, I, I don't know. It sounds good. sounds like a ripoff. I don't know. Yeah. I don't know. What are you going to do? What are you going to do, Hubbard? Mm, Who knows? I, know. I think, yeah. <laughs> well, <Whoa>. Who
0: knows? <laughs> so? Uh, he began feverishly preaching about Scientology. Does this mean he was sweating a lot when he was. I'm sweating a lot. I'm sweating it's so hot much hot right in now. Here. God damn it. <laughs> uh, a lot of people became interested. He wrote a bunch of books and then created an organization for the whole thing. This time, the organization was very centralized so that he could have complete control of Learning them. from his mistakes. Yes. He also invented a device known as the e meter. Ah. Which is a machine that can help people learn about or measure their spiritual self or something like that. Their E. (laughs) There have been a lot, yeah. There have been quite a lot of lawsuits over the E meter. Does not surprise me. The Church of Scientology now gives out disclaimers that the machine doesn't actually do anything except encourage people to be more spiritual. Uh. Really? I guess, yeah. Wow. Anyways, so this whole thing is growing, and then Hubbard gets a PhD given to him by the unaccredited Sequoia University. Uh <laughs> just given a PhD yes. by an unaccredited yep. university. Okay. The British government looked into this, I guess, and basically called out the university for just giving away diplomas.
2: Okay. <laughs> That's kind of like every university, except they take your money and your will to live yes. at the same time. <laughs>
0: uh, yeah. That's anyways. America, everybody. <laughs> Anyways, then Hubbard decides that Scientology should be turned into a religion. Smart. Of course, a lot of people mistrusted this whole thing and sued Hubbard and his group and criticized him in newspapers, etc. Okay. So Hubbard created a part of his organization that simply focused on suing or criticizing people back. Wow. This is only according to some sources, though. Okay. Maybe it doesn't exist. Probably not. Definitely does. (laughs) But what does exist is Hubbard's wealth. He makes a lot of money. (laughs) Ah. By 1957, he was making what is equivalent in today's cash to almost $2 million a year. I want you all to know I'm starting a religion.
2: It's called Scientology 2. Uh, I'm going to make. Fun I'm in. Of those. <laughs> yeah. Uh, James is in, everybody. If James is doing it, you should do it too, right? He's smarter than all of us.
0: <laughs> Instead of an e meter. It should be a different alphabet uh it should be the f meter the f meter the fuck meter
2: god what are you like 12? <laughs> it's f, so it's gotta be the word fuck <laughs>
1: that's
2: all it took uh when I was 12 to make me laugh so it just says fuck and I'm like ah <laughs> so true yeah, actually though <laughs>
0: Anyway, by the 1960s, his organization had thousands of followers, but started to receive a ton of flashback and criticism. Hubbard blames an international conspiracy to shut him down. Uh, Which, well, maybe he was right. Yeah, I bet bet it was real. (laughs) Uh, The Church of Scientology describes this period as a time in which the U.S. government carried out vicious, covert, international attacks on Hubbard and his followers. Don't worry, though. They also say that all of which were proven false and baseless. All of the These <laughs> attacks, anyway. Anyway, there's a lot of... There's a lot more to this. Go and research it all for yourself. It's all crazy. I'm just shortening everything because I'm tired of talking about fucking Hubbard. Oh, you fucked him? God damn it, he's dead, man. The F-meter. Uh, uh- <laughs> Anyways, the FBI considered Hubbard to be a mental case. They should. (laughs) The IRS withdrew the Church of Scientology's tax exemption after finding out how much money he made. Oh shit, they mean business. And the Food and Drug Administration took action against Hubbard's medical claims. Wow, they did something. (laughs) Yeah. Great. Oh, They took like a bunch of pills off the stores or something. (laughs) Pills. Yeah. So Europe, America, and Australia basically hate Hubbard and his church. The whole English-speaking world. So he moved... He moved everyone, basically, to what is now Zimbabwe, but was soon kicked out. He was then banned by Canada, the UK, Australia, and South Africa. That is tough, And, shout out to Australia, they banned him first. (laughs) Oh, good for you, Australia. Put another shrimp on the barbie. (laughs)
2: Uh, There goes our Australian audience. (laughs) I
0: guess. (laughs) Hubbard then responded to all these, you know, being banned out of these countries by telling his followers to write reports about one another in order to weed out any non-believers. Oh, shit. Yeah. He also created the church's guardian's office, which took care of international affairs and communication and lawsuits and gathering of intelligence against threats. Wow. (laughs) Then, with nowhere to go... In 1966, Hubbard and his followers headed for the sea. Oh. See, I told you the ships would come back. Yeah. Mm. Uh, he bought three ships, formed what was called the Sea Organization, or Sea Org, and then began what was to be an eight-year voyage. That is... that's crazy! Yeah. <laughs> wow. So from his fleet, Hubbard ran the international doings of all the various Scientology churches, made a ton of money, wrote more, preached more, and tried to find a country that would welcome him. Not many did. Good. Uh, yeah. Or bad. Or bad. Yeah. <laughs> so while sailing, he continued to flesh out the religion of Scientology. Good. Okay. So what? Do, what did we learn, James? I'm gonna say, uh, Seventy-five million years ago, there was a big disaster on our planet and seventy-five other planets. <laughs> I think um, he just likes the number 75. I think So. <laughs> Xenu, the leader of this federation of planets, shipped billions of humans to Earth and then blew them up with hydrogen bombs. Uh. Yes, hydrogen bombs. <laughs> <laughs> the traumatized beings of Earth soon molded together and formed the new human beings, uh, but forgot their entire
2: past. That's kind of creepy. So they're like blown apart and they're just
0: traumatized and then they like form into humans? Yeah. Oh, okay. <laughs> Anyways, back aboard the three ships, life was well, Wait, terrible on the spaceships. Uh, no, we're back to Hubbard on his little boats and okay. the, the oceans.
2: Okay, I was on board with Zenu there for a second, but now we gotta go talk about Hubbard again. Brr. Yeah,
0: well, yeah. Bah. Anyway, so <laughs> according to non Scientologists, yeah, life is terrible. Not many people knew how to actually sail. Okay, <laughs> because they're all they're all <laughs> Scientologists who were like, oh yeah, we want to join his his crew. And they don't actually know how to sail. Wow. He Hubbard also carried out harsh discipline. People were reportedly thrown overseas.
2: Overseas? Like from America to UK? They were thrown <laughs> overseas? Oh, you mean overboard. Oh. Yeah, you mean overboard. I wrote this at a time that I should not have been writing. This man has been sick for two days, everybody. And um, tired. Yeah, so tired. and
0: tired. Pickles is getting him up like, every yes, hour. So overboard. They were thrown overboard. Okay, okay. Uh, And, more disturbingly, according to non-Scientologists, he also created the Commodore's Messenger Organization, which was essentially just a bunch of little girls in hot pants and halter tops running errands and performing tasks for him. Ew. Uh, So this goes on for eight years. Meanwhile, the Church of Scientology is continuing to get a lot of hate from pretty much everybody. Hubbard himself isn't doing too splendid. He is obese, is a chain smoker, and has a big growth on his forehead. That sounds like me. Uh, <laughs> it does. Wow, it looks like you too. Ew. He finally comes to shore in America and basically lives in hiding for a couple years. Many people thought he was dead, but he wasn't. He was just moving around the country, writing more books, preaching more things about Scientology, and yeah, fun stuff. Now let's take a goddamn break because I want to stop talking and kill myself.
2: Okay, well I agree with that. Let's let's uh, let's take a break because I need to go punch something. <laughs> Probably me. Please yeah. me. Yeah.
0: All right. <sighs> Roland. Yep. Well. Ugh. <sighs> <sighs> Sorry. Mm. I am tired. I'm hungry. I want to drink. I want to smoke. I want to forget all of this
2: podcast. I just. I just would like to disappear for a good long while and find myself on some island that's like trapped in time with a bunch of you native know, women. Native, well, no, I wasn't going to say native women. I was saying native v- men. N- well, not exactly. Oh, okay, I was trying to make a lost joke, but I'm sure that would be lost on our audience. <laughs>
0: Let's get back to John. Welcome DuPont. back. to we talk about dead people? <laughs> <laughs> Wait, so, who is John DuPont? I forgot. We everything said, yeah, about so we him. We talked
2: about Elron Hubbard so much for that, like. Five hours. Yeah. Ugh. So John DuPont, if you'll remember, was just this really rich guy who started a wrestling team, oh, right, right, right. recruited the best wrestler in the world, and then shot him because he thought he was living in his walls. Yeah, and okay. he's
0: seeing things and thinks you're robots. And... Yeah, yeah, yeah.
2: Okay. So anyway, so DuPont is arrested by the police after shooting uh, Dave Schultz. Right. Um But he was understandably ruled incompetent and could not stand trial. Hmm. So they sent him to a mental hospital for three months, uh, after which he pleaded not guilty by reason of insanity. Fair enough. Yeah. So uh, this defense was thrown out. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Because, yep. And DuPont was found guilty of third-degree murder, uh, which actually indicates a lack of intent to kill. So it's actually a liar's sentence. But he was sentenced to 13 to 30 years in a minimum security prison. Uh, Dave Schultz's wife, Patricia, then sued DuPont for wrongful death and reportedly won $35 million. Jeez. So at least she got at least some kind of recompense. Not that it would ever bring Dave back, but... Right. Um, DuPont was denied uh, parole... Patrol. (laughs) (laughs) I would not put him on patrol. Uh, DuPont was denied parole in 2009 and died a year later from chronic obstructive pulmonary disease. His body was dressed in a foxcatcher wrestling singlet. Oh, really? Yes, that odd, low-cut tank top-looking <laughs> thing that wrestlers wear. Wow. <laughs> he was buried uh, at the <laughs> DuPont de Nemours... DuPont. I don't do French... Cemetery in Delaware. Okay. But it would probably be, like, by us Americans, DuPont de Nemours Cemetery <laughs> yeah. in Delaware.
0: Uh, we war- saved the French. Yeah.
2: <laughs> yeah, we saved your asses in World War II. <laughs> Two. Uh, yeah. Um... Kids these days, they didn't didn't fight in any world war. They're not
0: patriotic enough. Damn millennials. millennials.
2: (laughs) (laughs) We're both millennials. (laughs) Are, Are we? Or are we Generation X? What does that make us? I don't know. I think millennials. I don't know. Okay. But anyway, so it's really worth saying that the whole story of John DePont is a sad and short one. Yeah. Um, but one sort of feels like something should have been done when he was firing guns out of his car. Right. <laughs> driving vehicles into ponds and pointing assault rifles at team members at Foxcatcher. Yeah, yeah. But hey, you know, hindsight's twenty twenty. Just learn from the show, guys. Fair if somebody enough. walks up to you with, at the bench press with an assault rifle, they probably need to be stopped, uh, no matter how rich they are. There you go. Wow, words of wisdom. So yeah.
0: Uh, anyway, he died in prison. So how did Elrond Hubbard die? Uh, okay. So again, there's so much information on this dude. Go read it yourself. It's fascinating, yeah. everybody. <laughs> so for the last, for, from what I could find, anyway, from the last two, for the last, bleh, God, for, for the last two years of his life, Hubbard was living in a giant mansion in California. He was still spending his time writing, researching, and running the Church of Scientology's affairs. He also had a ton of health problems, interestingly enough. He suffered a stroke and died a week later on January 24th, 1986. He was 74 years old. His legacy, of course, was mainly the Church of Scientology, which is still around. It claims 8 million followers worldwide, Wow! although some skeptics think it's a much smaller number. Uh, one guy thinks it's only like 25,000 people in America, wow. so who knows. Uh, Hubbard, Hubbard is seen by Scientologists as the ideal operating Thetan and should be what we all aspire to be. Yes. And with that... Let's all become Thetans! Wait, we are Thetans. <laughs> we are Thetans, yes. Uh, well, well, that's the end of Hubbard.
2: Ah, uh, Okay, well, who do you think was crazier? Oh, uh, you know my vote. <laughs> you know I had a violin
0: teacher who was a Scientologist? Really? Ooh, wait, ooh, okay, two questions. First, okay. tell me about the Scientologist, and secondly, you learned how to play the violin?
2: I really liked the Lord of the Rings, and I wanted to play Concerning Hobbits from the uh, <laughs> Lord of the Rings soundtrack. <laughs> yep. Wow. But, funnily enough... Okay. Uh, yes, yes. I, I did learn violin from this guy. Mm-hmm. Um, but I didn't know he was a Scientologist until like a couple of years ago. Oh, interesting. Um, he had Hubbard quotes all over his walls and gave me a copy of this thing called the way to happiness, ah. uh, which is a little booklet talking about all the ways to be happy. Hmm. Yeah. It's kind of like the 10 commandments with a few extra things thrown in just for fun. I didn't know it was Scientologist material until years later, oh. uh, when I heard this podcast called Ross and Carrie, um, Oh no, Ross and Carrie. And uh-huh. they followed, they joined the church of Scientology and they were getting copies of the way to happiness. Oh, wow. Um, So yeah, I I didn't know. Uh, I actually have a series of short films on DVD portraying each step to happiness. Jeez. Yeah, it's bizarre.
0: We should watch those.
2: Yeah, we we need to be happy. Actually, we should, yeah. Yeah. Well, shall we head up uh, to the surface? Oh, yeah, let's
0: get out of here. (laughs) What? That's the elevator. (laughs)
2: What are you going to do with the rest of your day, James? Play the guitar in the moonlight. Sounds like a plan. What kind of guitar do you play, anyway? Acoustic? Electric? Spanish? Eh? I played the lute. So, old guitar. Decent. I have a meeting to go to. Ah, uh,
0: date. Something like that. Alcoholics Anonymous. Oh, uh, huh? they
2: kicked me out. Yeah,
0: yeah. <laughs> well, tell me what you're actually doing, then. Wha- I'll tell you what I'm doing. Your, are <laughs> my... Well, with that, I think it's time to bring the sh... No, 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 no. Uh, Hold on here. uh Uh-oh. You promised something, didn't you? What did I promise? You promised you would analyze me. Wait... No, that's me. not what i meant you promised you would give <laughs> Gladly. me a, a personality exam at the beginning remember oh. i stayed around oh that's because right. you already knew all this uh, oh oh right right okay well. well i want my free personality
2: exam goddammit. it okay well uh it's called the oxford capacity analysis it comes from the church of scientology oh, oh. they wouldn't say that they want to say it's from oxford okay uh so there are uh you have to be 18 are you 18 i am i no, no, no. yes Okay, and you have to answer all of these questions uh, with a yes or no. Got it. All right, number one. Hit me. Do you make thoughtless remarks or accusations which you later regret? Yes. Okay. When others are getting rallied. (laughs) (laughs) Others (laughs) are getting railed. That's what I thought at first. When others are getting rallied, do you remain fairly composed? No. Okay. Do you browse through railway timetables, directories, or dictionaries just for pleasure? Yes. Mm. Okay. Uh, When asked to make a decision, would you be swayed by your like or dislike of the personality involved? No. Okay, question five. Do you intend two or less children in your family, even though your health income will permit more? No. Okay. And six. Do you get occasional twitches of your muscles when there's no logical reason for it? Every goddamn day. Okay, and seven. Number 77. Uh, when Do you does greet it people end? effusively? No, I don't. <laughs> okay. Number 78. Oh, Do you often ponder on previous misfortunes? Uh, oh. Yes, 79. Are you sometimes considered forceful in your actions or opinions? Yes. Okay. 80. Do you accept criticism easily and without resentment? Yes. 153. Oh. <laughs> Do you work in spurts, being relatively inactive and then furiously active for a day or two? I don't work at all. <laughs> 154. Does the number of uncompleted jobs you have on hand bother you? No. No. <laughs>
0: Uh, it does. does. If I knew this was what it was, I wouldn't have wanted it. (laughs) Well, you're going to want it when you get your results back. The only
2: thing is you have to go to a church of Scientology to get your results.
0: You fucking moron! (laughs) Do you scamming me into this?
2: Or are they almost there, James? 198. Do you do much grumbling about conditions you have to face in life?
0: Hmm? Do you? Of course not.
2: Oh, not at all? Not at all. 199. Do you tend to hide your feelings? Yes. Ah, and two hundred. do You have many warm friends. Warm, warm friends, like in the Caribbean. Uh, because it's warm.
0: Well, we're. uh, I don't have many friends. Uh, yes. Yes, I do. And that's it. So, what are the results? Uh. Oh,
2: we'd have to go. You have to go to the Church of Scientology to find out. Yeah. Yeah. Did you know that there are right and wrong questions or answers on those to those questions? No. What do you mean? L. Ron Hubbard wrote an answer key. If you answer <laughs> yes or no to certain things, and it's not when he wrote, and you get a lower
0: score. So does this decide like how clear I am? How much yes. of a Therma How much of a termite I am? Yeah, whatever those were.
2: How much of a, 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 <laughs> <How much laughs> a fuck up you are is what of the Right, okay. All right, so there you go. But I would say you did fine oh. just by glancing through the answers. Yeah, you did fine. All right, fine. Thanks. Thanks. You're right. well, Good. with that, I think it's time to bring the show to an end for today. Please. Feel free to send all your hate mail to We Talk About Dead People podcast at gmail.com. We will read all of it and not alone. If you hate us, you're probably right. If you like us, though, please consider funding the show by becoming a patron on Patreon. Dot com That's patreon.com slash we talk about dead people. Even as little a dollar. As much as it costs to rent a bee for an hour. Well, it helps it? tremendously. <laughs> and with that all being said, it's really probably time to let L. Ron Hubbard himself play you out. <laughs>
1: I write just for you, but others hearing this may find things they would argue. I do not sing what I believe, I only give them facts. If they believe quite otherwise, it still will have him. is truth, and if they then decide to live with lies, that's their concern, not mine, my friend, they're free to fantasize.